Microsoft's raising the price and also making it easier to buy some Xbox hardware. Happy Friday, friends. It has been yet another week here on planet Earth, and hopefully you had a wonderful week. Microsoft really tossed some things around, started making waves throughout uh, the business world and through the gaming world. And so we are going to talk about it right now because Microsoft kicked off the week making an equity investment in a company called Rubrik. Now, this may not sound like a big deal, but I'm here to tell you it's a massive deal. So Rubrik is a company that specializes in like backupping of data, ransomware, recovery, and all of that kind of stuff. The reason why this is such a big deal is that historically, Microsoft has sort of taken a pretty big hands-off approach when it comes to backup and recovery. They use what is called a shared responsibility model with their cloud, meaning Microsoft takes on responsibility of making sure the services are online and available. It is up to you, the end user, to make sure that your tenant data is, is safe, it is secured, and it's backed up. Microsoft does not say that they will back up your data. They do not do data retention. Yes, they have retention policies and things like that, but when it comes to restoring data, Microsoft's like, hey, that's your responsibility. And because of that, the backup industry has boomed. There's companies like Veeam and companies like Acronis. And there's also companies like Rubrik who do very, very well in this. There's also a growing market of Microsoft and Office 365 backup services as well. And so by Microsoft making a strategic equity investment in a company that does this, this is them saying like, hey, we're kind of betting on these guys to lead the market. And if you are a big Microsoft user or vendor and you're trying to figure out like, eh, who's going to be our backup and recovery solution and you're looking at all the options like well microsoft invested in this company that seems like that's probably a pretty safe bet and realistically it probably is now it doesn't sound like it was a huge investment but it was definitely taking an equity stake in the company which means that hey they're saying this is a good company to go with and i suspect that it will help their that rubric honestly join a rocket ship and just draw in new clients now rubric is not a small company uh they've got many clients that overlap with what microsoft does already and it, i guess it makes sense for microsoft to do this although i can guarantee that if you're any company besides rubric in this space you're getting a little nervous because that's definitely going to hamper uh some of your sales and marketing pitches going forward so it's something to watch just because microsoft has taken such a hands-off approach when it comes to backup and recovery and now they very clearly are sending a signal to the market it's like yeah maybe we're thinking about this as a potential next growth sector for the organization because at the end of the day microsoft needs to keep growing and that is what they're planning to do also, speaking of Microsoft, and more specifically Microsoft 365 and Office 365, Microsoft announced this week a raising of the price. They're raising the price on this service. Now, there's two really big and interesting sides to this coin about, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Is Microsoft ridiculous? Or what is going on? So... Office 365 specifically is 10 years old, so it has been around for a decade, and Microsoft says they haven't raised the price. Now, I'm going to put a massive asterisk on that because, in fact, Microsoft has raised the price. They just haven't raised the price that you see on the website. And what I mean by that is, first off, when Office 365 first launched, there was no such thing as E5. E5 is a new tier, and it has more features, and hey, that's a pretty big deal. That's kind of a way that they're raising pricing. Also, if you are listening to this and you work in a large operation, I can guarantee that when you go to Microsoft and says, hey, we need 
30,000 Office 365 or Microsoft 365 licenses, initially they were cutting you a deal. They're saying like, you're not going to pay list price. We're going to give you 30% off list price. Well, over the years, that discount was decreased. It might've been 30%, then it went down to 20%, then maybe down to 10% to 5%. That is Microsoft effectively raising the price on the customers who are paying for that service. Yes, again, it is not a list price, meaning what you see on the website increase, but it is absolutely a price increase for the service. Now, getting that out of the way, Microsoft is raising the price. I'm not going to walk through each one uh, because it's all over the board on, on price increases everywhere from a dollar up to $3. One thing that is not getting price increased is the E5 tier. Microsoft has been trying to push more and more customers into E5, and by raising the price of the entry level and other services, the difference between E5 and E3 of many services is now a little bit closer. And so they're trying to get more people to jump into E5 because you get a lot more for your money, but it is in fact more money. So this is a pretty big deal, and it's not going to take place for, I believe, six months. It's going to take place in the spring of 2022 is when these price changes will increase. And so there you go. Microsoft makes a pretty good argument, and I will give it to them, that they said, hey, look, we've added a lot of value to this service. We've a Teams didn't exist when the service launched, and Teams is huge. It's used by uh, over 250 million people each month, and Microsoft has added a lot of value to the service. At the same time, last year was, I believe, Microsoft's most profitable year ever. So on one side of the coin, you have Microsoft over here just with record profits, record earnings, a huge winner from um, the remote uh, workplace, the hybrid and all that stuff, record everything. And then they come out after having the best year on paper and saying, we're going to raise the prices because apparently revenues will not generate themselves at a higher volume than they did the previous year. And it's an easy way for Microsoft to turn things up. Um, it, it's the optics in my opinion, are not great. The world is still not in a super awesome place by any means. There's still a lot of uh, people out of work. There's a lot of people who are very nervous, like myself, like about the Delta variant and everything else that is going on. And then Microsoft comes and says, hey, we're going to raise the prices in six months. Um, just It just doesn't quite sit right when the company is making so much money. I don't know if this is a signal that Microsoft expects growth in these seats. They said they had 300 million, I believe, commercial seats for their, their suite, their productivity suite. If they're starting to think that that's going to start to level off a little bit, which is reasonable to assume, uh, and so they're going to raise pricing when they think that's going to start to level and that's going to increase their revenue and their margins and everything else. I'm not quite sure, but either way, the facts are the facts, and Microsoft is within their right to do it, and also, and, uh, you know, there's nothing really you could do other than just grid it and pay it, or you can try to convert to G Suite and other services, but uh, I will say that, Microsoft 365 is a pretty good value of everything that you get. It just doesn't sound great when they're raising the pricing after coming off a massive record year. So anyways, uh, that is that. Microsoft 365 is also dropping support for IE 11. If you're still using IE 11, why? Uh, that is the best thing I can say. Also, Microsoft has released the first Windows 11, not IE 11, but Windows 11 ISO. So if you need those to go install or do bulk installs, Microsoft has now made that media available. And they've also started to tease that they're updating paint. Now, this is not going like from paint to paint 3D. They are just, it looks like they're honestly just adding like WinUI 3.0 elements to the apps and they've been doing this with like snip and sketch and a whole bunch of other stuff and now paint is officially getting the treatment they also released the clock app 
or the updated alarms and clock app that has the Spotify integration. It's rolling out through the Windows Store if you are in the developer channel for Windows 11. So be on the lookout with that. There's just a lot of app updates and we expect that Microsoft is going to continue to show off updated apps. We're all kind of wondering what's going to happen with uh, Notepad because that is one of the last corners that Microsoft really hasn't touched that they could potentially add new elements to. And by new elements, I mean just making it look more Windows 11-ish. So that is the big tech news of the week. Like that, that do not overlook that that is a lot of a lot of stuff because uh, raising the prices, Windows 11 ISOs, new apps, making an investment in Rubrik. Like it's a that's a that's a pretty big week in the world of Microsoft news. So on to the gaming news. There's again a lot going on here because there's been a lot of announcements this week. The biggest one, at least in my opinion, is kind of a little one. It's that Microsoft announced a new Xbox headset that will be costing $60. It's, if you've seen the Xbox wireless headset, imagine that thing has a lime or Xbox green, I should say, wired attached to it. And there you go. That is the wired headset costing 60 bones. I believe all the feature set is completely the same except for the fact I don't believe it's going to have Bluetooth because obviously it's wired headset at this point. But if you needed a wired headset, we'll work with your PC. We'll obviously work with your Xbox. And so that will be coming in late September, I believe the 21st to be specific and doing all that. Bunch of games stuff announced this week. 12 minutes was released. I'm about six minutes into 12 minutes, um, although I've been playing it a lot longer there. It, it's an interesting title. I will tell you, it does get a little frustrating at some points, uh, but it's a it's a very different puzzle type style game. And um, I've been enjoying it. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely, I think, be playing this one all the way through. But just know that it's not—it's obviously not an FPS. It's a much more puzzle thinker, top-down uh, game. Pretty interesting. So that is on Game Pass, by the way. Skyrim is being released yet again for the nth number of time, and they're including fishing. Um, that is coming later this year, I believe. There's also Quake, of all things, is now on Game Pass. It was not... I kind of knew this was coming and then it kind of leaked and then everything else. But you can now download and play Quake if you have Game Pass, which is crazy. Sea of Thieves crossing or in June had 4.8 million users, uh, their highest ever. And Call of Duty Vanguard was announced, although we didn't get a lot of details, but we do know that it's coming November 5th. And so there's more gaming news out there than I can cram into uh, this podcast. But those were some of the personal highlights for me this week and always the best part of my week are the questions that you all submit. So let's just dive in. I would tweet these out every week, usually Thursday around lunchtime-ish, Eastern time. You can just follow me at BDSams. And so let us just dive in. Coming, a first question comes from Bart. He says, hello, Brad. I hope you are well. Bart, I hope you are well too. This question is about Therat.com. Will, will you be making Therat.com a PWA with notification and news articles, a podcast, etc.?" Um, there's a good potential this does happen, but we don't have it initially on the roadmap. We are working on some things for Therat here as we speak, but I don't know explicitly if it's with considering moving it to a PWA, although we have had that discussion. Uh, Will R says, hi, Brad. I know it's the early days and things can change between now and then, but for the Series X, do you think they will do a smaller 1S style refresh in two to three years, or do you think that they will put out a significantly upgraded model like they did with the One X? I think that's a great question. I think, well, let me put it this way. I absolutely know for a fact that Microsoft is working on revisions of the Series X. That is, that is absolutely happening. 
What I don't know is if that's changing the form factor. They're, they will definitely be looking for optimizations of the board. Actually, there might already be one in production. I can't remember exactly. But it's like, don't, there's no headline there. It's just Microsoft making revisions to optimize things. You've got to remember that they've already put these things through uh, quite a bit of production and they're looking for efficiencies and other things like that. It would not surprise me if Microsoft does do a Series X refresh at some point that maybe makes it a little bit smaller as they get better and make those boards just a little bit more efficient and their yields increase. But as of right now, I don't believe they're going to be launching any significant uh, re revisions to the console from an external experience external appearance um at least in the next year or so i mean at this point let's just be honest they're having trouble making the boxes that they've already got so unless they can find a way to take the same components and make more xboxes which doesn't really work because of the laws of physics you can't take one chip and turn it into two um then we're not going to see any major stuff it would not surprise me if we do eventually see revisions because uh that's just the way the nature of the console business at the end of the day skyward says uh, I have a consumer-ish questions about Teams accounts. I recently created Microsoft accounts for each of my kids to use on a shared computer, child accounts since they're under 13 and all linked to a family that works pretty well with parental controls. Microsoft suggested using Teams for each MSA, and I thought that would be an interesting thing to try since my kids don't have phones, and this would be a way for them to message me and my wife and kids. As I discovered, there isn't actually a way to set up a Teams account with a unique mobile phone number. Oh, interesting. There, the only suggestions I've seen so far are from their own text supports on Microsoft Forum saying, ask family members or friends if they can use their phone numbers to set up a child's account. And if these family and friends want to use a Teams account themselves down the road, what then support? Are you aware of any changes to these requirements that might be coming? We can't be on the family with an eight-year-old kids without smartphones, right? So I went through this as well, I believe, because I set my daughter up with an MSA and all that. I believe, I think I just used my phone number, if I remember correctly. Um, it is a little bit frustrating, and I do not like the phone number requirement. And I don't even honestly like that. I get why they have to use an email, because um, I went down this path of having to set up my daughter an email and then doing all that to get her set up. As of right now, I don't know of any specific changes. Microsoft really wants that stuff tied for, to a phone number and a mobile device. I can't, I, I can maybe hedge and explain why, but I don't believe that there are going to be any changes coming, which I fully agree is an issue for somebody exactly like your scenario and even mine, where I my daughter does not have a smartphone at this time. And so for younger children, setting these things up can be honestly quite difficult and or frustrating. Uh, Mr. PKI says, I saw a recent article about outsiders not being profitable on Game Pass despite being a top game. Do you think there are any profit? Do you think any games are profitable from only being on Game Pass? That's an interesting question. Um, the thing is, is the the transparency we have through the deals that come into Game Pass, for example, meaning explicitly Microsoft pays the developers X amount of dollars to put them in. Uh, to, to launch on Game Pass if they're a third party. We don't know what that value is, and we don't know how much it costs to build Outriders. We know that there was the artificial, I believe, cap at a level 30, and so uh, clearly Outriders was trying to use this to tease people, get people hardcore gaming into it, and then when they capped, uh, get them to actually buy the title outside the Game Pass eventually. Uh, I don't know because Microsoft doesn't really isn't really transparent about its titles. They love to champion that they do that developers do see title boosts after being in Game Pass, but we don't honestly have a lot of data about third party titles launching day one in Game Pass. I believe I I could be wrong in this. I could be wrong, but Outriders is a I believe one of the first like premium titles to launch day one that was not a Microsoft title, and so the analytics of that aren't really too well known. We just have sort of the leak. Report ports at this time and so 
I can't. Microsoft's definitely not going to come out and say, "Look, this title launched at the third party launched on Game Pass, and they're not profitable after leaving here." Uh, is an interesting headline that Microsoft probably wants to avoid. So, at this point, I don't have a great answer for you. Uh, Energoramax, I can never pronounce your name. Uh, do you have any idea what happened to the Xbox UI that was coming to Windows? Uh, if you, well. I, I'm not quite sure I remember, but um, if the new Xbox, you got to remember Phil Phil Spencer kind of revamped the Xbox stuff as he took over the apps and all that. Uh, your best bet is going to be using the the new Xbox app actually has a pretty Xbox-like UI, although it does feel a bit more storish than, say, a, a like a... I keep thinking like uh, Media Center UI, at least as of right now. But um, no, I do not have any idea what happened to it, at least not yet. Uh, HRLNGRV says, uh, ever since Windows 98 came out, there's been at least two Win32 capable long file name supporting versions of Windows and support at the same time, ignoring NT.3x. Uh, Windows 10 is scheduled for end of support in 2025. Do you believe Windows 12 will be out before that? Or do you think there will be going to be some period in which Windows 11 is the only available version in support? Interesting thought. The, the, the thing that hiccups my mind when I think about this is Panos has just really made his first impression about what he's going to do with Windows, right? Windows 11. Windows 12, in theory, based on what we know today, would only be when there's going to be a visual UI refresh. Because if you look at the differences between 11 and 10, there's not a lot there. Not saying that things won't deviate, that path won't separate down the road, very well could. But as of today, it looks like that. So the question is, when would Windows be, when would Windows be due for another UI update? Well, we would assume it's going to be several years. I don't think they're going to go the crazy Mac route and do it more frequently than that. Although they could, they could surprise us with new updates every year with a visual refresh. Although I feel like that's going to be a lot of work. So I don't know because we don't know how well or how long uh, they're planning to go before they do their next UI refresh. I suspect that it might be more frequent than what we have seen in the past, only because we went through this awkward phase of Windows 7, Windows 7, 7 and 10, Windows 10 where we didn't really get much UI change. We didn't really get much going on at all because they kind of just, I don't want to say abandon it, but they just like said, hey, Windows is just going to do its thing and shove it over here and let's not worry about it. And then all of a sudden they realized that they were making a bunch of money, like, oh, come back here. And, and they got it back and now they're doing stuff again. So unfortunately, when I shake the magic eight ball, it says not enough data in the pot to figure out uh, when that will happen. It's an interesting thought though. Crunchy Frog says, with phone seas upon us, I'm curious if you or Paul have any plans to make any upgrades to your daily devices, and if so, which models? I am definitely going to be buying the, whatever iPhone they announce uh, in the fall. I am still running a an iPhone, it's right here in my stinking pocket, the 10s with a mambo jumbo battery case on the back because my battery life has gone to hell. Typically, iPhones have a great two-year battery life. In that third year, things get a little rough. And so I am definitely deep. This this phone will be three years old in September. And so I'm definitely deep into that third year. And so I will just buy the iPhone because and people are going to be like, why don't you get an Android? I'm fully aware. There are some very interesting Android phones out there. Not discounting that in the fact. That, but the problem is, is that my wife has an iPhone. My parents have iPhones. My brothers have iPhones. And my kid has an iPad. And so switching to Android, unless they ever brought iMessage and FaceTime over there, which I'm not expecting Apple to do anytime soon, would make my life a bit more challenging. And I'm just, I'm not willing to go down that route. And I use an Apple watch, but I could go get the new Samsung watch. It's actually pretty decent to be honest. Um, but I will grab that. Uh, Paul gets new phones all the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the new Pixel phone uh, at the end of the day. 
Uh, split, spish bash. I can't see because your avatar cuts off your name a little bit. It says, whatever happened to the supposed journal app for the Duo Neo style of devices? I was just thinking about the Duo uh, earlier this morning, wondering if we're ever, because there's, I think, a new update out for it, if we're ever going to get the the next version of Android on it, which I, it's Android 11. It's on 10 now. 11 is out. 12 is almost here, uh, but we still don't even have 11. I don't even know if they're going to update it uh, to 11. We haven't heard anything. We know that the Duo 2 is pretty primed to go out the door and and be on sale and so maybe that journal app eventually shows up on the duo too but microsoft in my opinion dropped the ball pretty hard on the duo because they just they didn't show like it launched to a lot of fanfare and then microsoft did not a lot to really keep it in the in the limelight if you will uh and then he also asks in the light of the planned revamp of OneNote UWP or Win and Win32 and One Outlook Monarch, are there any plans to cross-platform photos experience? I don't know. This is so Microsoft has an interesting photo experience because you have photo apps, right? Then you also have photos in OneDrive, and in my mind, like that should be a unified experience, but it's really not. And so I don't, I don't quite know. Actually, it's a good question. And then minus Matt minus Mad Thinus says. You're going to play Quake on the console. What does Quake mean to you as a gamer? Quake is one of those classic titles uh, that I played a lot growing up. Obviously, Doom was in there. Quake, uh, Command and Conquer, like that entire series or genre uh, was played significantly on the PCs that I was building and using back in the day. And so I will definitely be downloading and playing it for the nostalgia, especially because it's part of Game Pass. Like, again, I don't have... Quote unquote, pay for it. It's just sort of there. I can go play it uh, casually as I will. That might be the next title after I finish uh, the, the last remaining six minutes of 12 minutes because I want to get that title done because it's sort of a, it's a decent story, but trying to figure it all out uh, is a little bit complicated. So there you go, guys. Like I said, pretty crazy week in the world of Microsoft, especially compared to last week when not a lot was happening. And then all of a sudden we get Microsoft investing in a company, launching new Xbox hardware, uh, raising the prices on a bunch of stuff, just uh, new titles into Game Pass. So when you compare and contrast the two weeks, they're like polar opposites in a little bit in the amount of news coming out. And as always, my friends, very appreciative of everybody coming to hang out. And we'll catch all of you right back here next time, which means you need to keep it subscribed because the only BS on this podcast is me.